Imagine a world where two men are locked in vicious battle through monster trucks. Now imagine that one of those men is murdered. And now imagine that 15 minutes later, this murdered man comes back and dry humps his would-be murderer with the help of a giant fucking mummy. That's a pretty wild world, right? That'd be a crazy world to live in, right? Well, guess what? That's your fucking world, because it really happened. It's WCW Halloween Havoc 1995. This week on Nothing Good. What's up, man? Hey. Sorry. I, <laughs> I think I just went through something. Yeah. yeah. That intro was heavy and uh, 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 very emotional. Yeah. A little angry, a little re- a little bit of regret I felt in there. So much regret. Um, one, but, could, one could say I've been wrestling with regret. Oh, that sounds like a WCW pay-per-view from 1999. <laughs> <laughs> from Turner Broadcasting presents Wrestling with Regret. 1999. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so speaking of regret, hey. if there's a theme <laughs> for this pay-per-view we're going to talk about, it's regret. Spoiler. A whole lot of melancholy for really not picking anything else uh, coming out through here. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. And the journey sucked. The journey was all just as bad as the destination. <laughs> yeah. Well, before yeah. we get into all that, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm excited to be back. Yeah, uh, yeah. Doc, how are you, sir? Good, man. I'm just uh, kicking it. I'm excited to... I have I have my notes here. Uh, life is good. There's, old, mm-hmm. there's a saying I've been hearing lately, you know, better than I deserve, and I would go and say I'm better than I deserve currently. Um, and I'm good. just... Yeah, yeah. Things are good. Life's good. Life's good. Work's good. So... Yeah. And and and, and 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 here we are again for another episode. What is this episode twelve? Uh, it's, no, it's more than that. It's like 13? 14, 14? somewhere in there. Maybe I don't know. I think so. Mm. We don't. I don't really keep track until I uh, I go to upload the episode mm. and I notice the number of the previous one. And I'm like, oh, I guess that's what this is. I guess the only one we we were aware of was when we hit uh, Bash at the Beach episode ten. Right. But guess what? It's we're back again around again. It's wrestling time. Uh, have you, I, no, I, I just real quick, I, you know, I want to just you know plug you know uh, our uh, Masters of the Universe episode. Yeah, uh, I got some pretty fair feedback. Oh, uh, nice. Some people I talked to, listened to. So That's a way back. Felt it was pretty funny, and I wanted to just say that anybody, if you have a funny bone in you, should really listen to that episode because that episode's hilarious. I really, yeah, uh, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it recording time. it, and uh, I really hope uh, more people listen to it because it's really good. I'm really uh, glad that you convinced me to watch that movie. And yeah. not just say that I did for the purpose. Cause yeah, because you almost did. I feel, I feel, <laughs> I feel way uh, stronger about it than I thought I would. Because I, hey. I knew you would. Yeah. So here we are. Here we are again. 1995. Oh, 1995. Uh, we got alcoholic beverages. Here. Yes, we do. So um, you know what? Before we even get to setting the mood, I'm going to mm-hmm. set the mood in a different way. Uh, so what has happened, speaking of past episodes, mm-hmm. Masters of the Universe included in them. Right. In previous episodes, what has happened there is that we've said, here's our subject. I don't imagine this will take too long. <laughs> and then it ends up being split, quite possibly inorganically, depends on how well you judge someone's audio editing skills, right. into two-parter. Not ever originally intended to do so. Right. However, I want to try something different. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead right now and predict that this will end up being a two-parter <laughs> episode. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. There's just so much to cover that I can't... Now, if I'm wrong, and this is only one part, <laughs> real you surprised. can see this. Yeah, I'll be surprised. And you know what? Dear sweet singular listener, hey, how you doing? Good. You could send me an email and then t- make fun of me. That's fine. But I, I really doubt it. I really doubt it. Watch me... Uh, Realize that we only talk about it for 38 minutes and I make a four minute two parter. Just like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be amazing. You're wrong. Bro. Well, I mean, I can tell you, I have like, you know, six, seven pages of notes yes, right here. I have so many notes. Uh, so, I mean, and the thing about this 
the show and the notes that I took, uh, and I was actually explaining to this before we started recording, is that uh, unlike you, I watched the whole show in one sitting, mm. taking all my notes, and I Boy. found towards the end so much of my soul had been ripped from me, and yes. my enthusiasm for, for professional wrestling and sports entertainment had been had been tainted to the point where my notes were getting so shallow and so meaningless because <laughs> I had so little left to give, so few fucks left in me to give out to the world. Uh, but you, wisely, wiser man than I, uh, did this in two sittings, which I was did. a way better idea. Yeah, uh, I, because I felt my humanity uh, being sucked <laughs> nigh completely out of my body uh, at the halfway point of the show. Uh, knowing knowing what I knew and where I thought the show was going to go, I had to stop it. Mm. Now, that has allowed me to approach the second half with a fresher mind. But if you don't think that my notes are absolutely full of blatant disdain for not only... <laughs> Uh, WCW, but for existence itself at oh, some point. Man. Yeah, you're wrong. But the reason why I mentioned and called our shot right now, mm-hmm. two-parter, is because, well, we are here at the end of October. And mm. we decided to do Halloween Havoc 95 because it's right around Halloween. That's right. So we thought it's it's spooky. Let's yeah, it's spooky, spooky all right. shit, right? It's shit uh, all right. So because we're doing spooky shit and we're doing a Halloween-themed pro wrestling pay-per-view at Halloween mm-hmm. in uh, 2021, in the year of our Lord, <laughs> then uh, I thought some spooky beers. So yeah, good call. Yeah, we have uh, the Elysian Night Owl Pumpkin Ale. Yeah, it's, I haven't tried it yet. About to try it right you, now. You, when you chose this out of the uh, the pack, you made a noise that I I could not replicate. Oh, you're full of shit. Yeah, am I? <laughs> uh, what what was it? A, da, 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 wait, wait, wait. He did this, guys. Guys, imagine handing Doc a six pack, and he lifts a bottle out of the pack, looks at it, and makes this noise. It's it okay. There's an owl on. It's a night owl, and like I think of night owl, I think of night 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 drive. There's a song. There's an '80s synthwave song, and it has like that that '80s horror vibe. And the owl on it looks like he could be '80s, man. I'm just saying. And all I can think about is synthwave. It is, but he just started. He didn't. He didn't say this. Reminds me of that thing. He just started going into it, and I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so, cool. I'll fucking judge. Retro, I'm not judging you. <laughs> I just wanted you to... If we're going to set the atmosphere, well, we need that's to really the set the wrong type of atmosphere. So cheers to you. Yeah, to you. To Halloween Havoc. I won't drink to that. But... It's too late. We already did. All right. Oh, there is the pumpkin. There's the spice. It's on yeah. the back end. It's Ailey on mm-hmm. the front and then pumpkin on the back. It's good. It tastes like a pumpkin pie almost. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you that one. You get almost like that kind of grammary, that, like that very graham cracker crustiness on Cinnamony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I dig it. Good, that was a good choice. All right. Well, thank you. Well, you, you chose it out of the lot. That's and we'll, and uh, if this does indeed come to a part two fruition, then we will then uh, dip into a second pumpkin-oriented yes. thing. So anyway, Halloween Havoc. 1995. I guess before we start, Halloween Havoc, by the way, uh, October 29th, 1995, presented by World Championship Wrestling, uh, the Ted Turner-based wrestling promotion, live, partially, Mm -hmm. from the Joe Louis Arena in Detroit, Michigan. The Joe, as hockey fans would call it. So that's where it happened. But I think to really get there, we got to talk a little bit about wrestling and WCW in 1995, though, right? (laughs) Sure, let's talk about it. Well, let me just throw something at you. Uh, So wrestling is in a really weird period in 1995. Yeah. We are five or four years removed from the peak of the Hogan era, the Mm, end of the peak of the Hogan era. Uh, Sting, for being good in WCW, never reached anything that was like, you know, to to write home about as far as the main popular money drawing guys it was really interesting yeah because Sting is like the franchise of WCW he kept that place going but he's but... Ne- that's the thing about Sting like you're right like Sting I think you know I guess I've thought about this while I was watching the shows that Sting as big a star as he is and he's and a he huge world renowned star yes. period yes his his image the, the face paint the crow Sting the surface Sting the Joker Sting from TNA that we don't talk about Mm-mm. all of that he is an icon right but as big as he was, Sting was never on the level of a guy like Hogan. Yeah, for sure. 
you know, and, and which is weird. You feel like he would be, but he never was. I think it's interesting that in kayfabe, Sting has always been put on a near Hogan level, right? I think in actuality, uh, Sting is, when you look at WCW as what it is, is that most of the people made their name in a different promotion. Mm-hmm. Hogan and WWF, Flair and the Crockett promotion, right? And brought that thunder to WCW with him. Right. And most of the stars, except Sting and Goldberg and Diamond Dallas Page, right? Right. Or three of the, probably, the, and Booker T to a certain extent, but Booker T, I think, made more money. Vince after I'm sure but, but I mean that's that's like okay here's the homegrown WCW guys but yeah but the reason why I mentioned Sting is because Sting didn't really hold over but 95 uh we're not we're not to the attitude area yet that no. wouldn't that wouldn't get fired up for a year but we're in a weird position uh in 95 going in from the summer of 95 into this the fall of 95 the World Wrestling Federation has their one-hour show, Monday Night Raw, mm-hmm. that's been running for just over two years at this point, and mm, wow. coming up on three. Wow. And their <laughs> champion is Big Daddy Cool Diesel. There you go. Who has been champion since November of 94 and will be champion until That's when he uh, beat Backlund. Yeah, he beat Backlund yeah, yeah. Uh, a few days after Survivor Series 94, and he loses it to Survivor Series 95. So, But that's on the other side. Uh, on the, in the WWF is... Bret Hart, mm-hmm. who may or may not be very popular on this show. Right, right. Uh, Big Daddy Cool, the champion. Razor Ramon, Scott Hall. Sean Michaels. Shawn Michaels, Undertaker. Undertaker. Uh, Jerry Lawler. Uh, uh, Owen Hart, British Bulldog. Right? Mm-hmm. A, a myriad of wrestlers. People come in and out all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think I think we were a few months away from even Ferg's debut at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, 95, like, we're, we're heading yeah. towards, you know, Shawn Michaels, you know, coming out party. Yes, you know, the Rumble of 96. Where, where, yes, yes, for sure. That, that groundswell is starting for him. You know, WrestleMania 11, he got over pretty good. Well, <laughs> he um, he made Diesel look pretty bad in that match at WrestleMania. He did. He um, made himself look okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, wrestling's in a really interesting position because you think about just a year and a half later, how things yeah. would be so drastically different. In a year and a half, that's it. No, yes. So, a year and a half after the show we're talking about today. Wrestling is a completely different landscape. It's a different animal. But let's go back a year and a half earlier, just in WCW. Uh, We had talked about a time when we had mentioned in our archives, at our Bashing Bash at the Beach at the Beach episode, we talked about Bash at the Beach 94. Right. Hogan had come in about 14 months before this. That's true. Yes, and he had come in, which was going to be, and though it did not make the immediate impact that WCW wanted it to make, Hogan coming in led to arguably the most important moment in WCW's history up to this point, September 4th, 1995, the debut of Monday Nitro, mm. yeah. uh, live from the Mall of America. As Luger's that, debut. As Luger, Re- re-debut, Yes, rather. Luger comes back after Stiff and Vince, mm-hmm. uh, after a failed run in the World Wrestling Federation. Well, it's failed as co-maining we, in can, WrestleMania. Look, I, I'm going to kind of put this out here now. Lex Luger is in this show more than he needs to be. Yes, and uh, I will not mention... This is the only time I will mention him without a heavily negative connotation yeah. to it. Not a fan. Uh, I wanted to be a fan of Lex Luger all of my childhood life, but mm. I could just never do it. Couldn't get around away. <laughs> the machine that the WWF was couldn't get him where he needed to be. No. That should tell you something. No, and for some reason, I don't know if it was that. Uh, it has to be that, and it left a stank in my mouth. But only... It's like Lex had plenty of opportunity... To, to refresh my palate and make me interested in him over the years. And all it did was make it worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned, again, call back to our Bash to the Beach episode, is that I, there's all, only a few, except a few people in history that if they were put in the ring against Lex Luger, Luger excuse me, that I wouldn't vote for that horrible person over Lex. Mm. You know, it's not a fan. Not a fan, but that is his his return to the yes, WCW, yes. September 4th. Uh, features such me- memorable segments as uh, Hulk Hogan's Pasta Mania, his failed... Do you know what this is? No. You don't know what Pasta Mania uh, is? This doesn't... Oh, I my did not God. watch any... Uh, very little WCW, especially in, like, 94. Well, this... No, this was... So, I... Ha- okay, I didn't mean for this, the sidebar, but this is absolutely true and absolutely important for you to know. And I'm okay. surprised you don't know this for I don't know this. So, I will post pictures on, okay. on our Facebook when this episode drops, but... In 95, uh, sometime late 94, early 95, Hulk Hogan is doing his Thunder in Paradise stuff and making yeah. Mr. Nanny or Ninja Turtles or not Ninja Turtles, uh, Three Ninjas or something. Yeah. 
And his agent approaches him because Hogan wanted to get into endorsed products. Right. He saw what was happening at the beginning in the 90s. And let me rephrase this. This is a true story, right? Okay. That uh, has been told by Hulk Hogan and co- partially uh, cooperated elsewhere, right? Okay. So anything that might be inaccurate, it comes from Hogan. And so take that with a grain of salt, right? Okay, gotcha. But his agent approaches him with two endorsement opportunities. Okay. <laughs> One is what would eventually be known as the Foreman Grill. Mm. Uh, the Hulk Hogan oh. press or something on it. You know, the, the bench. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other was for a fast food mall-only uh, chain of restaurants called Pasta Mania. That's a stupid-ass idea. Yeah, he he went with the stupid-ass idea. Imagine that. That's not a surprise. And so, the, but the first Nitro, which we remember as being the first Nitro, mm-hmm. Luger's return, which has, do you know, do you remember like the main marquee main event of the first Nitro is? No. Sting versus Ric Flair. I do. For the United States Championship. I do actually. Is the freaking that. main event on the first Nitro. It's ironically, the final WCW match, right? Right. For, yeah, which is cool as hell. And yeah. They'll throw back to that. But, uh, but that's what we remember. But, Hogan used it as an opportunity, of course, fucking shocking. <laughs> to shill. <laughs> to, to, to try to get his thing over, and that was Pasta Mania. Oh, boy. And I, you gotta, oh, we posted a bunch I of need to. I need to look that up. Uh, just like I posted the, uh, the horrifying nightmare fuel of uh, Donatello in the Ninja Turtles movie when that episode came, this, uh, you have to see it. Yes. Pasta Mania. I will. But yes, but that's the launch of that, and that's where we are at the time of this pay-per-view, October 29th, 1995, uh, Nitro had not even been on the air two months. Hmm. Wow. Raw wow. hasn't hit year three yet. Let's wow. put it this way. It's how, how much so of an long ago it is. Uh, it was only one hour, and as you can see, a lot of the undercard matches weren't even built on Nitro. They were built on WCW Saturday Night. Yeah. So back in those days, Saturday Night and uh, Worldwide were yeah. like how you got things over on TV. Sunday, Saturday morning and Saturday evening. That yeah. was the that was the time. So, so that's the world in 1995. Anything else of note that I need to say is uh, we'll get to as the storylines yeah, yeah. progress. But it's a hell of a time in wrestling, Doc. Do you have anything you want to mention about '95 oh, wrestling okay. I mean, life? Uh, so. In 1995, when I'm October 95, was uh, 13 years old, just mm. turned 13. I was going to say supple. <laughs> but then I try to call succulent because I know you hate that. Uh, but I'm going to go supple, which is terrible. I immediately take it back. Keep thank going. you. Uh, what I remember about 1995, uh, honestly, what I remember about 95 is less what was happening on TV, more what was happening on the gaming console. Because mm. uh, I want to say... Oh, God. Because WrestleMania, the arcade game, was a thing then. Yes. By that point. Yep. And I was quite obsessed with it, that at that time. Uh, and as, of course, my my appreciation for Bret Hart's career was a thing. Yeah. Uh, I remember... You know what I remember about 95 more than anything else? Because I wasn't watching a whole lot of WCW. But... What I remember, the thing that sticks out to me, is WrestleMania 11. That's that's really it. And yeah. how the 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 Bam Bam match. Oh, Lawrence Taylor. Yeah, Lawrence Taylor was on Fox. You remember that? Oh, dude, so good. I remember that being on Fox. They there's like six months later. They they I think pre football season they put it on. I remember watching that. I remember that being a big deal. Oh yeah. Because like convincing my parents to get pay per views was not a thing. No. Uh, so. So, so you know what I used to do? What I really used to do, uh, and I'm, I don't, I've, I'm put myself out there. Oh. Uh, for like a lot of pay per views, because I probably would get a pay per view a year. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. Tops. And usually I would go to a friend's house to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I would do back in the day before you know digital cable, I would just change my TV to the cable channel because you still got the audio. Yeah. Oh, squiggle. Couldn't vision. see anything. Oh, yeah. But you knew what was happening. And I think I did that for a few WWE pay per views, actually. I did. Yeah. I also did, uh, most noticeably, Starcade 97. Uh, I, for some strange reason, we were hosting WWF pay per views at yeah. the time in 97. And my uncle was like, oh, come on over to my apartment. We're getting the WCW Starcade because it was the huge match with Steve Sting and Hogan. Yeah. And uh, motherfucker is listening to it on squiggle vision. He never ordered it. <laughs> He's just sitting in his sitting there eating pizza, staring at like what looks like a wiggly boob, <laughs> listening to Tony Schiavone, uh, 
you know, try to fix the Bret Hart uh, finish with that thing. Well, that's which isn't Bret's fault. Nothing that, is. That was all. That was such a WCW experience. And I, God, one day, we will talk about that show. Yes, yes. That is that is uh, as we will uncover. Though we did what can only be described as, it's like imagine your first time, uh, instead of it being with a willing, consensual, supple sexual partner if your first sexual experience uh, encounter was with a jar of broken glass <laughs> okay that's what being doing our first show only review has been mm. but it's like sh- with glass sticking out of every part of me i go i'd do that again though so i would love to do more shows but i'd love to do shows that are not are just notorious for being well what they are yeah i'd like to do shows that also have some real positive highlights. I'm going to ask you a serious question Please. before we get into the show, because yeah. this is like, I, cause we're, we're like something I've been thinking about. Can you name mm-hmm. one? Just You're so one. serious right now. What? Can you name one really, really, I'm talking fucking damn near beginning to end. Excellent WCW pay-per-view. I cannot. You know why? Because it, doesn't it never exist. fucking happened. Oh my God. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, no. Yeah. Think about that shit, dude. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that every match has got to be perfect, no. but I mean like a good, like memorably good pay-per-view. That Do we need, I think we need to, to on our own quest, mm-hmm. we need to look for the unicorn. There has to be one. I'm convinced there's not. There has to be because one. Because you know what? When I started watching WCW, like actively watching it more, was yeah. a, around this time I started dipping my toes in around yeah. 95, 96. And I didn't stop until... I really kind of pulled the reins back around 99. I was like, you know what? There's a much better product on the other yeah. channel. This shit is obviously being phoned nah, pretty hard. Anymore. And yeah. it's really unfortunate, mm-hmm. but it was really bad then. Like, it was real bad. It won great. Yeah. So I I, I, can, I feel confident that the pay-per-views by that point weren't great. No. And won. that the pay-per-views before 95 were not particularly amazing either. So we got this period <laughs> where WCW was really hot. Around like ninety six to like ninety eight, ninety nine ish, and I watched a, a good portion of those pay per views, even like just back later on, after mm-hmm. the fact. And I honestly, I, I I'm not sure there was one that exists. I, I I believe you. If you were to tell me that, so we went back and I watched every. If you were to tell me I watched every WCW pay per view ever held, and there was never a good WCW pay per view show. I would believe you, but knowing that you haven't seen every one, I have not. I I gotta feel like there, there's just certain pockets in WCW, and we've talked about it before, and we'll keep talking about it. And I think other wrestling companies that uh, aren't actively mainstream today, like a TNA or something, mm-hmm. yeah. they're guilty of this too. That there are moments of time where you just look at a snapshot of that roster and you go, "How the fuck were they not able to pull that off?" Because look at how many, oh my god, top people. And early in their career, young and hungry, did they were they not able to capitalize on this? And right. WCW has to have had enough to maybe maybe do that. I can't help but think maybe. And this is when Austin really came of age, right? Yeah. It was really difficult to justify buying the WCW pay per view that month instead of the WWF pay per view. So I didn't see a lot of every single monthly pay per view. Of the pre Goldberg, post Hollywood Hogan era, yeah. But I kind of feel like maybe in there somewhere, like a random and and and, and I, I'd like to think that you're right. A random June pay per view in '97. But I feel the biggest problem WCW has ever had, uh, yeah, is that it's not a wrestling promotion, right? Mm. It's not. No, it's 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 not. You know, it was a TV. It was a production. You know? It was a TV show. Yeah, that was. It, it's like the Elder Scrolls Online. It is neither a TV, good enough TV show to be a real TV show, and it's a not well run enough wrestling promotion to be a wrestling promotion. Yeah, but because it is both, it is neither. It's WWF no. WWE is a wrestling promotion. It is a promotion. That's all it really is. It has become more, but at the core, what it is is a professional wrestling promotion. Yes, sports entertainment promotion. WCW, although at one point. You know, with the NWA became WCW, but then like Turner brought it and all that yeah, stuff was happening. Time. But it. The post Crockettness. Yeah, it became just a TV show, effectively, that toured. Yeah, that makes sense. Because, like, 
you, you sometimes you go back and, and like you watch some of the WCW stuff, even like Nitro. The production was great, but stuff that you could tell the people who worked behind the scenes weren't wrestling people. Yeah. They didn't know to catch things. And it looked like a QVC show, uh, shot by the same people that shoot the NBA. Yeah. And so there's quality there, but there's also, yeah, you're not getting. <clears throat> like, you yeah. know, we know what happens a lot in WCW, right? What? And this happened on the pay per view we're, we're eventually going to talk about. Yeah, soon. But we promise. There's a, there's a, there's a point in the. <laughs> there's a point in the, 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 oh God, what was it? Uh, the Sabu jail match, right? Huh. Right? So. The finish, without going into great detail, we're going to talk about it later, yeah. but, well, the, like, the camera misses a really important fucking shot. They do. But uh, I have a different theory about that. Well, well, hold on. Yeah. Like, the camera totally misses it. They do. Totally fucking misses it for the audience to see on TV. Fuck the crowd. They all saw it. You and I, watching it, didn't really even see it happen the way we were supposed to no, see it happen. No, we just got told about it. Right? That would not really happen on WWF TV. Because oh, no. the people it, it, back there... All, all in it for the wrestling. Well, they all, know to they catch know about everything. It, yeah. I mean, yeah, one thousand percent. But also, I think that uh, that Sheik went into business for himself there. You think so? Like, yeah, I think. I, well, I, th- I think he probably talked with Jerry and Sabu about it, right? And they're like, "Oh, why don't we just do that?" Right at the end. But I don't think anyone was prepared for it because they were they were they were shooting it. You could be right. Yeah, and then that. And, but here's the thing: that still wouldn't happen. Yeah, it still wouldn't. No, no. Because they'd be like, that'd be the last time you ever made that stupid fucking mistake. Yeah, I just feel like I, it, the WCW always gives me a vibe that it's like a, it's just a really good TV show. With good wrestlers, it's a great wrestling show, but it's not a wrestling show. I would agree with everything you just said except the really good part. Well, it can be. It did get there. Yeah. But right now, where we are in October 1995, it ain't there, sir. In Detroit, and, Michigan. In Detroit, sweet Detroit, Michigan. An underrated wrestling town. Mm-hmm. Right, oh, yeah. for sure, for sure. The home of a lot of wrestlers, mm-hmm. a lot of people from Detroit. Uh, Kevin Nash, who we, I mentioned, famously from Detroit. Uh, D- DDP, originally from Detroit before That's he started right. going around. But I guess we got to, are we ready to get into the B- show? Bischoff lived in B- Detroit for a period he's, when he was he's younger, He a Minnesota too. guy, too. You know, he's he lived, in, he lived in like Pittsburgh. He lived in Detroit. He lived in, uh, yeah, he's lived all over, but he I'm did sure, live in Detroit for a period. Yeah, well, good, well, good for Eric Bischoff, you know? And now he's, what, Wyoming or something like yeah. that? You know, just, Cody, Wyoming, I believe. Oh, my God. Well, good, well, well, good for him. Yeah, good for, for sure. Hey, Eric. I don't know, just in case he's ever there. Hey, listen, yeah. man. They, he ain't listening anymore that, after that, I did that. That podcast, they him and Conrad do are excellent, so. Mm. I really enjoyed uh, to your you suggested I wa- listen to it. I yeah. fought it for a long time because I really wasn't all about listening to Eric Bischoff shit on Bret Hart. But I skipped those episodes because I just don't feel like listening to it. Bret Hart only triggers the equally bitter people. He does. That's the rule. <laughs> no one who ever has like a nice time to go about themselves is ever like Bret's like, oh, you know, I just don't really think they're very good at what they're doing. It's like no one who ever doesn't take themselves seriously goes, ah, oh, it's Bret. Anyway, though. No, but someone's like, you know who doesn't enjoy themselves? Bret Hart doesn't enjoy themselves. <laughs> His name is Bret. Like, like, okay. But easy. to be fair, I, once I skipped all, I, I kind of go around those. Excellent show. Yeah. Excellent show. Really oh, enjoy it. I, I enjoy the, the thick. I love listening to him diplomatically uh, try to tell Conrad that Hulk Hogan uh, was well, being Hulk Hogan while trying to also not trigger Hulk Hogan into being While still trying to remain yeah. being his friend. Yeah. <laughs> Which, again, is its own separate yeah. set of issues. But that's still, that's my favorite thing. It's like, ah, uh, he's dancing. Still, it's like, you know, Eric, a lot of respect for everything you've done. But it's been 22 years or 20 years since you last had to, to really answer to Hulk Hogan. Uh, and here's a spoiler, you never really did in the first place. So it's like, maybe maybe ease up on the tiptoeing around Hulk Hogan on your podcast. That's your friendship, podcast. man. I guess so. I guess that's so. That's friendship. Regardless. Yes. You know what is friendship? This right here between you and I. Absolutely. Because we made it through WCW Halloween Havoc. And we're going <laughs> to Not the same you. man afterwards. Okay, no. so here we are. Detroit, Michigan. Detroit, Michigan, October 29th, 1995. Yeah, so I just right off the bat, I, I don't know if you noticed this. So the beginning match, right? Oh it, wait, wait. Well, Did you, are you not gonna talk about the opening montage? I mean, I barely remember it now. Oh, uh, I didn't. I didn't write any notes about it. I did. Okay, good. Go for it. I actually wrote the entire transcript of it down. <laughs> okay. Because I couldn't believe that this is how the show opens. Um. So the very first, uh, the very first thing you see is like a, a cheesy haunted house, uh, with. Cheesy lightning flashing. And here we go. I'm just going to set the mood. Are you ready? I'm ready. 
The moon's full. Motown's gone mad. Halloween Havoc is here. Two demons have emerged. The giant, he heads a Jones for destruction. His motorcycle smashing, back cracking, bone crunching, neck choking rampage has opened the ghastly gate for the man who would not, could not stay down. WCW World Champion Hulk Hogan has crossed over to the dark side to take on the evil powers in their own eerie world. Shudder to think about their monster trucks locked in sumo-style showdown. If survival is possible, they will then be hauntingly close as they see each other eye to eye inside the fortress called The Ring. It will happen before your very eyes here at Halloween Havoc. 95. That's the mood. That's what we started with. Back cracking. Jones and <laughs> Shudder to think about their monster trucks. Yeah. Locked in a sumo style showdown. If survival is possible, they will then be hauntingly close to each other as they see eye to eye inside. <laughs> That's it. That's verbatim. I wonder what intern wrote that. Oh, man. <laughs> he got promoted. I hope so. That um, intern's name was Vincent McMahon. No, <laughs> so I got it right off the bat, man. Right out of the gate. Right off the bat. So listening to Bobby Heenan and Tony Schiavone do their thing. Listening to Bobby Heenan heal on Ric Flair was so jarring to me. It was. I. It's off-putting. Have that in my notes, too. Man, I, he's really playing into this. I'm sitting here. And I, cause okay, you know, you go into these pay per views kind of blind, a little dry, you know, and you know, you're not 100 percent sure of all like the stories and angles leading up to the matches, right? Yeah. But I do, I do remember the that kind of the story between Arn Flair, yeah. and Pillman. I did remember yeah. that a little bit, and I'm like, I don't remember Heenan just being so. I mean, he's got to be, you know, Flair's sort of the the, the baby face tweener at this point. Yep. And 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 Heenan's just going in on him, and I'm like, this just doesn't feel right. He does, he does. He really, he really cuts deep on it. Uh, but I think it's from the perspective is that in kayfabe, Heenan came back with Flair when Flair came back to WCW yeah. post WWF run, and Heenan has always been seen as uh, Flair's number two behind Arn as being a, a trusted confidant. Yeah. And when Flair shuts him out, Heenan heals on him, mm-hmm. but he does it from a place of being hurt, mm-hmm. which makes. I mean, here's the theory coming, theme coming up. Bobby Heenan's really fucking good at his job. I was going to say, listen, this is probably the best Bobby Heenan has ever been. On or, this show. Or or in, in all of WCW. Let me rephrase that. Yes. The best he's been in WCW. Ever. His, his best performance. When we get to the, the deal with the giant, him mm-hmm. falling off. And I'm just sitting there listening to him get hot and bothered uh-huh. and, and upset and visibly, visibly upset. I'm like, Fuck, I'm feeling this. Bobby, look at you go, man. No, yeah, for sure. He so sold that like a shoot. And Tony Schiavone just no sells it. Yeah, like he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> uh, uh, well, maybe he shouldn't have been up there choking Hulk Hogan. Oh my god. I'm and, and, then, like, and then Bobby Heenan's like, I'm gonna go find someone to help this dying person. And Tony's like, Good, go, go. do it. Go on. I gotta show no, I gotta commentate on. Yeah, he gave no fucks then. No. Uh so okay. So we open up with the announcers. Welcome us to the show after that just Sex jazz style intro, Halloween spook. It's, it's brutal. The probably the, the number one thing that like one of the biggest themes that you know our listeners will discover when we cover WCW pay per views is that they're terrible at uh, video packages. Oh, it's awful. And they're like, and they never get good at it. No, they never ever. It was weird. Yeah, that they just never they got never and, do because it's a television production company behind them. And they still never got good at it. it. It's, yeah, like, like we said in a previous episode, they're, yeah, two, they're two floors from CNN, and they just can't get they, good they at it. They don't know how to do TV. Like it's it's kind what of fucked fuck? up. Yeah, <laughs> um, that th- but that shows you how little the like Turner gave a fuck. Yeah, honestly, I mean, he, it, it it was there to lose money mm-hmm. so that he could spend more money and not pay taxes elsewhere. Mm. That's what it was. So we got DDP versus Johnny B. Bad. Before we get to that, yes. I have a couple of notes real fast okay. about the yeah, announcers yeah, yeah, yeah. in the beginning. All right, so um, the show though opens with the announcers Bobby Heenan and and Tony Schiavone, and they're they're hyping up the battle of the sumo monster trucks, mm-hmm. and then we cut to a segment 
on the roof of Hogan <laughs> and the giant <laughs> yeah. doing it in the monster truck. So it immediately made me go, are, they, are we supposed to pretend, like, pretend they're going to be doing that all night? Or this is a quote-unquote preview they're in the middle of they were, doing they were, they were They were practicing or they were warming the, the vehicles up or something. Yeah, bullshit. with chains. And they were driving each other in that whole thing. They're doing it. They're in the middle of doing it or something, right? Yeah. So then they're like, coming up soon. So put that pin in that. Like, are they still up there? What are they, what are they doing this whole time? And the monster truck... Uh, is going to be in a building next to the Jew on the roof of a building mm-hmm. next to the Joe Louis Arena. This mm-hmm. is important that it's on the roof of the building next door. Yes. When they said the name of the building, I swear to God, I thought they said Hobo Hall. <laughs> <laughs> they said it like seven times on the roof of Hobo Hall, two monsters. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. What is it? What's going on? So in it's Detroit? like the building have like a giant stick attached to it with like a <laughs> knapsack with stuff in it. Like Hogan's <laughs> gonna drive up the stick. He's gonna stick <laughs> He's gonna the stick out. Up the stick. No, it was. I, I thought so. I thought it took me a while until I paused it and I went looking. You know, was that it was uh, Kobo Hall or Cabo Kobo, Hall? Cabo, Cabo, yeah, Kobo, something. Yeah. But I thought not was, Hobo. I thought it was Hobo Hall. When I'm thinking, man, the '90s were a time. <laughs> the '90s were a time. But Hobo Hall. Monster trucks. Heenan is already starts off not only digging into flight with the breaking news. Breaking news, fans. Yeah, God, like like easy, Tony Schiavone. You're not on the cusp of the uh, of the Associated Press here, my friend. But uh, that he when he mentions that Flair gets attacked by Arn and Pillman. Yeah, Heenan's already though in full show mode by that point because he is trying his. He, it's like Bobby Heenan decided. You know what? Fuck it, I'm going to work tonight. He just felt like working. He tonight. felt like for and a shitty ass show. And he, and he went in on the monster trucks. Uh, and I'm like, okay, okay. And then I'm like, Bobby, all right, all right, all right. What are the monster trucks? And I saw him, like, oh, no. Oh, no. But when Bobby would talk about it, I'm like, okay. Okay, maybe. Maybe there is he, something more. Bobby Heenan had a really interesting ability. As comedic as he, I mean, he was really a funny dude. But he had the ability to really go from funny to petrified to furious to make you feel afraid for him a little bit. He had, he just had that. His voice, his body language. He was so he would shiver. He would shake. He would get so worked up. Oh, he absolutely. He had to have been sober during all this. Oh, for sure. And here's the thing to mention what we were talking about. I made a specific note about this. Is that uh, when Pillman and Arn have apparently attacked Flair before the show, went on the air, uh, Heenan thinks it's funny that Flair's friends are turning on him. And I made a note on how Heenan is apparently anti-Flair. It's a terrible joke I wrote in my notes. Oh, boy. I'm, I'm just going to say it. And I'm like, well, wait, Bobby Heenan is anti-Flair? Wow, he must have watched Dark Side of the Ring. <laughs> I'm okay on that. So you so you watched that, and... Uh, yeah, we're not going to talk about that, because I don't <clears throat> want this to be a three-parter. But allow me to give you the short ver- my version of my feelings on this. We all know what kind of man Ric Flair is reputed to be. I mean, I've heard things. In the positive and in the negative. Mm-hmm. Or at least or the, the best case and worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, if there's, you should always uh, be on this, err on the side of caution when idolizing people. Oh, absolutely. But you should also always, you know, consider all the facts. That being said, I am not qualified to judge nor to decide, but I'm going to say straight up is that there were people that they interviewed for these types of things that I am inclined to believe and there are people that they interview for these things and I'm inclined to say I don't believe anything that comes out of your mouth and they both said the same thing so what do you do with that they both told the same side of the story so does it you know like what what is it well um I'll put my thoughts out for that because I watched that recently and uh if you're a wrestling fan don't watch it no don't because it'll it'll fuck you up a little bit you should generally if you're sensitive about it, yeah, 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 about sure. anything that, that's that's that you're, you know, like, listen, you should already know as a grown man or person watching wrestling as an adult that all the that maybe not everybody that pretends to be a nice person is a good person, right? Uh, especially if they're pro wrestlers, and if you are easy, if you are not willing to have your long-standing traditions turned on about somebody. Perhaps Vice's Dark Side of the Ring series is not. There's a reason why it's called Dark Side of the Ring. There is a is a very serious. Because like, I it took me a while. It took me a day or so, if not longer, to really come to terms with what I watched and mm-hmm. going, that's not the person I thought that uh, he or she was. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but my my feelings of this are this, you know, and I kind of echo somewhat of what you're saying. 
Uh, I'm, I'll, I'm who am I to? I don't give a shit. Yeah. Who's gonna who care what I? You know. Yeah. But uh, if if that stuff is actively very true, fuck them. Yeah. In that regard, uh, honestly, that doesn't change the, the legacy and the abilities and the all that and the matches and the broadways and the sixty minutes and the blah 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 blah. But you can be one of the greatest in-ring performers of all time and be a giant piece of shit at the same you time. You can be really good, at job, really good at your job and be uh, yeah. uh, really bad at being a person. So hopefully... I think we should have a conversation sometime. Yeah. And it would be... And we're going to get into this to a certain extent when we have our inevitable Hulk Hogan episode. <laughs> but I think we need to have a, a serious yeah. conversation about uh, do we as a society, as people today, and we're allowed to change. We can be one way tomorrow and the next way Absolutely. the next day. Do we, uh, can we, do we, should we, and will we separate somebody who they are from what they do? Hmm. You know? Yeah. Does the person you are while doing an action define the action, right? That's some grandstanding questions, but I think no, not just Ric Flair, but a lot of pro wrestling stories. Oh, yeah. A lot My of sports God. figures and, and, and entertainment so figures let's in just, general. You know, yeah. Yeah. So, Public I mean, figures you, in you general. Really gotta, we really got to, I think we could have a nice time talking about putting that through a lens. I did not mean to dredge all that up by making a opening of the show, Dark Side of the Ring. <laughs> That's about but, as serious as this episode's going to get. And there we are. But here's here's a, the, the note. Heenan says, oh, I think Flair deserved it because he's turning his back on his friends. Portraying the hurt friend Flair doesn't talk to right now. Mm -hmm. And then, here's the thing I made a note about it. Heenan then asks, how bad is Flair? Like, how bad is he hurt? Showing that he still loves him. Yeah. Like, there's, he's still, he, Heenan is still Flair's friend, which is like, oh, oh mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good storytelling. That's long-term storytelling. Because you know what? He's a pro. He's a fucking He's old-school pro. pro. All right. So, yeah. And then that brings us here. Um, and then there's some weird throwaway sushi joke by Tony Schiavone, right, before we throw it to the, to the build-up for this next thing. I had to go back and watch it three times because I couldn't believe that I heard it. Just some random. He's like, your breath smells like sushi. He did say that. Anyway, fans. Yeah. Our opening contest. It's like, what the fuck is that? I think because Heenan was kind of close to him or something. Maybe he was... Expressing that he yeah. was, just, you know, you don't even try to be fast next to Bobby Heenan. No matter how fast you are, you're gonna be the second fastest person. <laughs> That's ever. right. Uh, so the opening match. Oh, so did you? Okay, you know what I noticed? I'm sure everybody and their mother they they got it in camera view for a reason. And DDP's entrance, <clears throat> you can clearly see a tombstone that says Crockett on it. Did you see that? No. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. You know they have those tombstones. Yeah. And like there was one that clearly says fucking Crockett That's on dark. it. That's dark. And I'm like, you know, that that that's a dig. That's a that, that's not that's not a whole. Oh, 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 oh. There's no McMahon. There's yeah. no Vince. There's nothing. There's not even like a like a uh, Jim Hurd or Bill no, Watts. Jim who was fucking Crockett Promotions. Yeah, man. you bought the company from it. Why you? That's like that's like, <laughs> and it's like clearly on camera. That's like you know you know McDonald's right when when Ray Kroc ironically does bought mcdonald's from the mcdonald's brothers mm -hmm. uh they tried to buy it back because they thought he was ruining the name mm -hmm. and he was at that time seriously considering changing the franchise's name from mcdonald's but when they came and asked him not to do that he absolutely refused then at that moment to ever change the name of the restaurant again just to dick out the people who used to be mcdonald's mm -hmm. and that's that kind of attitude it's like yeah sure you sold us your company willingly but you know what fuck you <laughs> that's the first fuck you for the night folks and that's for number one. Oh. Ah, we're about to watch the WCW pay-per-view. <laughs> but the opening match, um, the television champion, yeah. Diamond Dallas Page, defends his title against Johnny B. Bad. Mr. Mark Marrow. This match opens up the show. So I have some feeling. This match goes about 23, 25 minutes, something like that. Way longer than I thought it would. So this match, I have I, much like, I don't know, my mixed emotions are this. The match, I mean, it does start out really slow. Kind of like, nah, it's okay, I guess. But then it starts to pick up. Oh, yeah. And it, it's actually a really good match, all things considered. Oh, yeah. Um, but can I ask a serious question? Please. Who, what the fuck is a max muscle? Ah, uh, I don't think anybody knew I don't think what he knew. that is, especially max muscle. So he was like the hired muscle, I guess, for, yeah, for DDP. So, so DDP, wow, man, that's a, that's a whole separate conversation. But man, when he decided to... They really got behind him in WCW to make him a manager, then a wrestling manager, and then a wrestler who sometimes manages, and then a wrestler. That whole transition. There's a lot of guys that came and went. 
yeah. with Dallas to help him get over and then try to get him over. And Max Muscle, who I always thought was like Scott Putzky or something. It was, not, it was not. No. But that was like one of those big those big beefy dudes. Yeah. It's one of the long list of people that got attached to DDP. And I, there's like, you watch DDP. Like, look, and I am a huge fan of Diamond Dallas Page. For just sure. From his run with Macho and like that, that catapulting him forward. This is not the same dude. Mm-mm. This man came down with everything. Like he, he had a, like a trench coat. Okay, yeah, so this is still finding him. Now, think about this though. You ready? He is a year away from finding it. Yeah. Right? He's one year away from starting his run to really get hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but he's been doing since the day he broke in, he's been doing every single thing that 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 can stick, start everything against the wall, and if it remotely has traction, I mean he's not just doing the looks like a free bird in a like shady adult movie theater trench coat <laughs> kind of a thing, but he's coming down with a big heater, Max Muscle, yeah, and he's coming down with Kimberly, oh Diamond Kimberly, Doll, and she's doing the rating system, yep. Great idea. Yeah, yeah, but but I mean, it's like a gimmick we've seen a thousand times, right? Yeah. Like, so he's literally got like, what's an idea that no one else? Has anyone on the show got a heater? Has anyone on the show got a rating system? Has anyone on the show <laughs> got a glitter gun? Johnny B. Bad. All right, I'm gonna feud with you, and I'm gonna steal your glitter gun. Yo, he co- like he comes down, he like shoots the glitter gun. I'm like, I mean, that's a very face thing to do as a heel. Yeah, well, I know it was like the point was like, oh, he stole it, but I'm just like, all right, yeah. Let's add it, another gimmick on you, all your gimmicks. That's why I, th- I think it's it's absolutely impossible to eat ice cream while you're angry. Okay, it's my it's my theory. Okay, try to get really pissed off and then have someone hand you an ice cream cone and try to stay mad while you eat it. You can't do it. You just like you literally can't do it, and you can't (laughs) shoot a glitter gun while looking like a piece of shit. Yeah, it just I was like I just kind of like cocked my head like okay. No, it's like tossing out candy. (laughs) You could be tossing out candies that have like little tiny little just absolutely volatile curse words on there that could be real heel shit. But if someone just sees you tossing candy, they're gonna be like ah. He's a good guy. He stops the candy to people. So I don't know how you feel. I felt about seeing Johnny be bad for you know for the first time this match. Yeah. So when I saw him, uh-huh. I was like, the first thought. I'm like, God damn, he's tan. He's a tan man. He's a tan man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was oh very fucking tan. Like, and I know you know you got to be tan in the wrestling business. But you have Jesus. to. Jesus. I, I think Mark Merrow was the thing that they. I, I don't know. It was a Dusty or whoever decided he looked like Little Richard, and then they decided to tan him to like what's the what's the level? What is the lowest level of blackface? <sighs> then what could we do like that's right underneath that? Well, let's have let's leave him in a tanner for two days. <laughs> and it's like okay, that's it. Because to me, it's a race of blackfacing. It's what it does. But but it's not blackface. They're like oh, but it's not though. He's just really tan. Yeah, and they're really, like really really. Tan. Really tan. And you're like, are you sure you know? It's like, because Little Richard is Little Richard really, really tan. Well, no, Little Richard's an African American. Okay, but so Johnny B. Bad though, he's really, really I mean, tan. Really fucking tan. It's black facing. Yeah, I, it's like entry level, but it's it's like it's if great. It's a great value. Hey, uh, Mama, I want black facing. <laughs> oh we have black facing at home. Oh my god. Johnny B. Bad. Yeah, it's it's yeah. like he's like he is in fact like the the the, the Shasta of Little Richards. Yes, <laughs> you know, oh. um, and and the fact that but he's really tan. I don't know if it's like his if it was like I can't remember if it was like his finish or if it was like a signature move or what it was, but like it's called the fucking tutti frutti. It is. Yeah, it's it. If that ain't dream, if that ain't the American dream, the American thumbs dream. all over it. I just got an idea for you, baby. Tutti frutti. So, so your whole gimmick gonna be Little Richard. Gonna be the Little Richard gun, and then then you're gonna climb the top and you're gonna hit. The tutti frutti. People are going to go crazy, baby. They did not go crazy. No, they did not. I mean, apparently, Dusty and Vince went crazy. They really loved it. The whole reason Mark Merrow existed as Mark Merrow is because Vince saw Johnny be bad and wanted Johnny be bad and then realized he couldn't have Johnny be bad. Nope. He got the wild man. Because Dusty. But he got a wild man, which is a wah, wah, wah. But then he got he Sable. He got Sable. So then, yeah. I mean, death. he still won. He still won. He still you know, won. and... and Let's be fair now. DDP was super hungry. Dude, he wanted it. And Mero, I'm assuming, I'm sure, was quite hungry himself. They're both really, as far as in-ring years, very minimal at this point. They're not, um, they're not green necessarily. No, no. Yeah, but, but like Mero hadn't been wrestling that long. No, their ages are different. But yeah, but uh, 
For sure, for sure. They're both still fresh in their careers. And That's what both, I mean. They're both over enough to be the opening match on the show. And to and try actually, to tear it down. And, and they, they did everything they could do. They literally did everything they could. This is when you when you DDP really comes into his own in this era because he's trying everything he can to throw it against the wall and see what sticks. But more is sticking now than it did before, and he's starting to get pieces together. And he didn't even make mention of it in you know, commentary. He's like, this this man has improved. You know what didn't stick? What? Diamond Dream. Did you catch that move? I, I, It's my favorite move in the match. You didn't like that? Let me tell you why. I've learned watching wrestling for decades of my life. If somebody hits a move, number one, I can't tell that it was a specific move that was important. And then the commentator, the play-by-play guy, has to explain what that move was, how he did it, what is a variation of, and why it's important, then it's not a good move. I mean, yeah. I he literally, that. so Giovanni literally had, because you could, t- he did it, was no pop. No one even realized he even did anything important. If the co- move looked cool, it looked but great. it was meaningless. I mean, I, I think that move, I have a note that it's, and I'll just say it now. Uh, first of all, for those who are paying attention, uh, he countered, he, DDP, countered Pronouns, a hip pal. toss. What? Pronouns, pal. Pronouns, pal. <laughs> DDP countered a hip toss into a DDT, and it looked really cool, and that Giovanni immediately starts calling into the Diamond Dream, which, for me, A, reeked that Dallas had coached Tony mm-hmm. up before this match. I'm going to hit this move. You got to call it this. I'm, this is it. This is, the, this is the next thing I'm doing, right? And he does that whole that whole thing. But I think that move is ahead of its time. I mean, right? it's again, I'm not yeah. saying the move I is that's bad. What, yeah. But if you have to hit a move and then have the, the commentator immediately break down what it was like. Because Giovanni was like, well, he, he's, he turned this into this and then he made that. I'm like, oh, that's the move he did? Because... You're Why? Yeah. If you have to explain yeah. it, it's not good. You know what you don't have to explain? The diamond cutter. No, you don't. And that's true. And that's why the that's diamond why cutter got is over. Thing, <laughs> and why the diamond dream isn't. But I, I particularly made a note. I'm like, all right, DDP trying something that it's five years too early. Well, At least. Yeah. yeah, maybe 10 years too early, right? Yeah. Like, if you're watching a match now and somebody pulls Drew McIntyre goes to hip toss. Sheamus, you and Drew McIntyre. And I, all right, he's just the, the first person that came to mind. Probably of course the he reason is. why. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes to hip toss Sheamus and Sheamus casual with DDT. But like, oh shit. But but in '95, uh, and it, it looked like maybe even a botch, which uh, exactly on this show means it looks like almost every other move <laughs> that happens in most of the matches. But do you want to talk about you know five, ten years too 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 early? Too how about early. how about seven, eight years too late? Listen, I think that Mark Merrow gets kind of a bad rap. Yeah, I think honestly. Had that dude come out about seven years earlier, him and a, he'd have been a megastar. Oh, late 80s. Megastar. Uh, here's, and let me just even just say, you lean, if you're going to blackface Mark Marrow and try to give him a gimmick, God. right? Yeah. I'm going to pitch a different idea right now. And I'm just, as you said that, I'm now picturing the idea. Mark Marrow in 1988. Yeah. You give him like almost like the Eric LaSalle coming to America gimmick, and you just you just give him like the like the Jerry curls, right? And or you don't not even that, just like the wet hair that he has. Don't blackface him. Just give yeah, him let's, that look. Let's not blackface anybody. No, we're not saying. I'm saying <laughs> give him that that gimmick, like lean into the coming to America thing uh-huh. uh, with that style. Then you would you would be oh yeah, you print money. You'd print money because he it. he was incredibly athletic. Oh, God. incredibly charismatic. Yeah, he had a great look. I mean, what else do you need at that point? And he wasn't terrible on the mic. No. He wasn't great, but he wasn't terrible. He could have been better, but he could have been way worse. And you know what? He would have benefited back then, especially being around such big personalities. He could have played off of. He could have been a Hulk Hogan tag team partner. He Easy. Easy. He could have really been a. He could have been. He could have taken Bruce Barber Beefcake out of the equation. He could have been a team. We're gonna get to him soon. Oh. We're gonna get to him soon. And just he put Mark Merrow. Yeah, like I said, he could have been a Tito. He could have been the new Tito. You know, uh, instead it's the, the perpetual plucky flying around baby face. Yeah. He's going to have a baby face to bump the Ted DiBiase. Way more charismatic than Tito because Tito is not very charismatic. No, Tito was great in the ring and I th- but in a time when that's all that mattered because mm. you didn't have to cut the promo. But yeah, I, this match was, first of all, let's just call it, call it as it is. It's better than it should have been. Yeah, but it's way too long. It was what, 25 minutes. I didn't think it was that. There's other matches it, that are Yeah, like, I want to say it's like 23, 25, something like that. Yeah, there's other matches on the show. That were super short. Super short that felt like a long time. And this, like, you're like, no way. And then it went, it went a while. It makes me think, like, what, like, you got to, you know, formatting your show. You're really going to put 25 minutes into this. But then we get, like, literally there's like two, three-minute matches on yeah, the show. Yeah, there's a couple matches that are like sub-three minutes. Yeah. 
What the fuck? I can't. <laughs> you could have so shaved eight minutes off of that match and given like four to either other two. So there's a there's you know basically okay I have some notes I'm just gonna read through my notes on this match a little bit here and see if you jump in anywhere okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so first of all DDP has Mark Merrow's glitter splooser when he comes out and they don't even really mention it until they casually mention that he stole it like for two seconds they mention that he stole it but he's just meandering out with it uh, they start hot in the match which was you know surprising uh, they did the fake. The fake entrance where it was trying to be bad at the entrance way, but oh, it yeah, wasn't. that's right. But the whole buildup of this match was the idea. Did you did you catch that intro video? The whole reason this match is a thing <laughs> is because apparently Mark uh, Mark Marrow doesn't have roadside as he does not have roadside assistance. He does irresponsible. Back then. Yeah, yeah, you know he apparently has. He's supposed to have a title match with Sting on WCW Saturday night. He's late. They give that title match to somebody else. Yeah. He walks in at the end of the building. He's like, I got a flat tire. DDP's like, look at this bozo. Four flat tires. Look at this bozo, huh? You know, yeah. And he's like, four flat tires. Yeah, Mark, it was Max Muscle gives the four flat tires. Yeah, he goes, and it, I didn't say anything about four. And it whaps him. <laughs> and that's all we need to go. And, yeah. and we go back and forth. So it's about it's about AAA in this match, right? But it's also for the television championship. It's really about Kimberly, to be honest. I mean, it's 1995. Listen, is, I, is anything she in not going to be about her? I mean, to be uh, listen. I remember Kimberly from a, a, you know, a year or two later. Uh, but, man, she uh, really accentuates DDP. She does. She really accentuates lots of things. He was he was punching up. He was swinging oh, for man. the bleachers. Dude, he did. And he, getting um, her. Yeah, he, like, I'm not even sure how he pulled that off. No. I mean, I don't know. He's a big, tall guy who used to work at a strip club. I'm sure he's got a lot of tricks. <laughs> Tell that again. Yeah, <laughs> when you put it that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of positives. But Kimberly was was fantastic ahead of her time. Mm-hmm. It eventually, would lead the Nitro Girls. Exactly. So, which that, led to HBK finding his wife, Booker T finding his wife. There's a lot. There's a, and, and I think uh, the Nitro Girls taught me a little bit about myself. Too. I think they so taught a lot of us gentlemen you know, about ourselves. Uh, you know, they used to come across, come on at the nine o'clock hour, and you know, uh, every, <laughs> get out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the match goes fine. But it's uh, he, he, so. <laughs> I I have a note here. So there's two things. One, uh, there's three mullets in this match, including <laughs> the referee. And then Tony Schiavone says, Nick Patrick, one of the finest officials in this sport. That's going to change in a yes, year. Yes, just you wait till 97, Tony. Yeah. That's going to change real fast. <laughs> uh, they, but they go back and forth. Um, but the finish here sees uh, Johnny B. Bad uh, fire up for some false finishes. Um, DDP goes to hold him so that Max Muscle will hit the double team. Uh, bad ducks. Max Muscle nails DDP. Uh, Johnny B. Bad drop kicks Max Muscle and pins DDP. So, and this is again another theme for this show is that uh, there's a lot of finishes that are just l- lame duck finishes, and this is one of them. I think literally every single one. Of them. I, I I kept going like, oh, good match, good match, decent match. That's the end, just like that. Yeah, like I, it ended. And I see what they were trying to do with it, but for a match that picked up steam so well and was so like and false finish and moving around in high spots, for it to end like that was so like okay, that like deflated me a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it just kind of you know Peter's out there, uh, but Mero covers DDP one two three mm-hmm. and wins the WCW Television Championship. You know, I, you know, for me the match was good. Could have been infinitely shorter and actually been better. I think it would have been better. I think they shorter. those two guys would have benefited a short amount of time, and I feel like the match it was detrimental that it was so damn slow in the beginning. Yeah, it was. So after the match, it was it was it was prodded at the beginning. But regardless, after the match, uh, so DDP doing her ratings. Excuse me, Kimberly doing her rating system yeah. the whole time. Uh, she gives Mark Marrow a ten. We didn't even talk about that subplot throughout that whole thing because it's not important. It's not really not important, <laughs> but she gives Mark Marrow a ten. Uh, my rating, mm-hmm. by the way, just if you couldn't tell, I'm going to give you some ratings throughout this thing. Okay, uh, uh, okay. Dave Meltzer, I am not. No, but I give this match three point two five mullets out of five. Oh, out of five. Okay, out of five. I guess that's pretty good. Yes. Considering who's in it. Yeah, 3.25 mullets out of 5 is not bad. It's, it's a sizable amount of mullets, I think. you got to figure out the, the max muscle modifier in there, too, so that changes things. Yeah, it does. He only really did two things in the match, <laughs> yeah. and he didn't fuck up either one of them, which is shocking 
that somebody on this pay per view batted a thousand on at, at anything. Uh, and I just I have uh, one last note about this match mm-hmm. is that I don't miss many things about WCW. Like very m- few things could I ever miss. But what I do miss mm-hmm. is that WCW post match recap by either Heenan. Or Zabisco. Yeah. And in my head, I hear them over like the Cruiserweight matches back in the day when you have Rey Mysterio's. Dun, 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 dun. And then Heenan's like, he comes off the... T-. And, like, he just he, like, he always sells the match. Yeah. And he's like, okay, here's let me boil this down to 20 seconds and let me make you care about what you just saw. Yeah. I fucking miss I love that. him because Heenan would just like butcher whatever he was looking at anyhow. Yeah. And he hits him with a flying tomato and then yeah. he does... <laughs> he does <laughs> like, okay. One, two, three, you're new, blah, 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 Rey Mysterio. And yeah. it's like, uh, first of all, it's really cool... And we will, we'll get there to hear Bobby Heenan say names that I never even realized that he said. Yeah. Um. But it was incredibly cool. But that was first match. You know. And forgive me if I'm stepping on toes here. Yeah. Sure. But I think, considering that we talked about the entire year 1995, mm-hmm. and it's taken us this long to get to the first match <laughs> on the show. Not a good sign. Nah. So why don't we? What do we call it? Okay. We call it, and we're going to immediately start a second episode. I think that's a really good idea. No, I no, dear listener. We hope you like the format we've decided to do. That if we feel an episode is too long, we break it into two parts. But we now release the both parts on the same day. Yeah. That just means you don't have to wait to hear half of the story, but you also, it can be a little threatening to look at your favorite podcast on a Tuesday and see two hours, 49 minutes. We've done it. For me, I like, oh yeah, this is good. I can listen to this. Ask me me. But for some people, it's like, I don't have fucking time for this. No, and it's, you know, so we're we're, going to split it up into two, hopefully only two. It may be three, because we're literally one match in. One match in. So... <laughs> it's it's not boding well for two parts. No, but you know what? We're gonna try. We're gonna see how we're gonna go. Okay. What I want to do, yeah. and come back for part two. There is an entire pre-show to this show that happened. There is. I did not watch it, but I know some of the matches. Yes, uh, I couldn't find it anywhere. Mm. But I want to talk about some of the names, and we'll do that next five minutes from now. Okay. I was gonna say next week, but literally, you can end this when we stop babbling and then play part two. Yeah, yeah, it's good, good idea. You should but, do that. So I guess we'll see you. Momentarily. See you next time in a few minutes. In a few moments. (laughs) Bye. Nothing good.